Hey there, and welcome to the Sponsor Talk podcast, where we interview some of the leading minds in the world of sponsorship marketing and discover the various ways in how brands interact with properties within sports, arts, film, music, you name it. Today, Justine Fadak and I sit down with Dan Magala, co-founder and chief innovation officer of Forefront. This is one of my favorite conversations we've had on the podcast so far, and excited for you to hear it. Take care and hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi, Dan. How are you doing? Wonderful. Um, great, to, great to see you both. You guys are incredible for doing this. Happy birthday, Charlie. I know. Look at um, She picked out a, um, a rubble Paw Patrol uh, leftover from the birthday party. So awesome. uh, she had a fantastic birthday. Thank you for that. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Dan, firstly, how, how are you doing? How, how are things? Uh, good. Uh, we, we've embraced the growth mindset from day one, um, you know, and tried to be as positive as can be. And, um, uh, family is good. Um, my son just got an award for kindergarten oh. uh, for virtual, um, uh, school work, which is great. Uh, and we are, um, uh, finishing kindergarten on Friday. Like that, that has been one of the most challenging things of this whole thing is um, mm -hmm. the kid home life. We've got a six and a four year old. So um, normal chaos, but then adding in teaching. So um, we're, we're making the best of it as always. But uh, yeah, everybody's healthy and staying sane. So, and, and you guys, good to see you both. Everything, everything all right in your personal worlds? Yes. Yeah, things are good. I mean, uh, we're, we're having a great time uh, helping with this conference and, and, you know, having some great conversations and, and raising some funds for a great cause. Yeah, no, it's great. I, uh, I caught the end of uh, uh, Deirdre's presentation. My, my dad was an HR executive um, and he told me that parachute line many times of like having different positions, different skill sets, um, make a list of what your biggest weakness is and by next year, turn it into an adequate strength would be his um, advice. So that was fun to hear too. Mm -hmm. No, it's great advice. I, I, I'm actually, I'm, I'm very excited for this conversation. And, and Justine, you've known Dan for a long time as well. Um, how, how do you guys know each other? I'll let Dan tell you, because it's like 20 years ago. I know. I, I actually have vivid memories of... Um, uh, even meeting your daughter uh, when she was very young and just getting, um, I would say the, the amazing thing about like getting to know Justine is I got to know her as a person first and almost an executive and a leader second. And I think um, for me, I'm, I'm big on relationships and not networking. Um, and then just to value her and, and to get to know her as a human being, um, before just the incredible talent that she was professionally was uh, was a great joy. But we were connected uh, through some of the Chicago sports teams. And um, I think when you were um, in both cities at the time um, mm -hmm. and kind of commuting. So um, whether it was a, a great lunch date or a, a coffee partner or a cocktail at a game, um, just loved all the time uh, in the early days, seems like forever ago. Um, uh, Bulls, Blackhawks, I just think of Justine, uh, you know, so much. So you should be wearing your red glasses today, I feel. Um, I know, you know what, I have, I, I was wearing other glasses that are transitions, look, and when you put them on, it looks like I'm wearing, it looks like LA, it looks like yeah. I'm LA. So, I mean, and I have to thank you, Dan. So when I was, when I was a transplant from Canada, I mean, now I'm a full-fledged American. 
Yeah. But when I was just commuting back then and, and learning the ropes, you were um, instrumental in helping me to understand the sports landscape. And you had the Megala report and you had things that to me were super exciting and you knew everything about baseball. And I learned so much from you. And, and Dan was really one of my first friends that also translated into really coaching me through business in Chicago. And there, there are a handful of people in the early days and really like three or four, and Dan is one of them. And our paths keep crossing yeah. in these kind of ways that, it, that they do did today. And, and obviously with Potter, uh, who works on yeah. uh, my former team and is a great leader. I mean, there's so many connections. And so Dan is one of those people that connects people to one another, no matter where he is, who he's with, everybody knows Dan Miguela. So I think that if you don't know Dan Miguela on this conference, you will know him in the next 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, thank yeah, thank you for that. And, and it's, I think it just shows even to, we're all just a wonderful community of people uh, in our industry and uh, all have the same hopes and aspirations and anything you can do to give back and share and connect. Uh, I will say, it's funny, my daughter, Charlie, that Justine mentioned, who just turned four yesterday, you know, so full circle. So your daughter I would have met her when you would have first moved. I mean, she was um, probably six years old, maybe at the time. I, I, I do show and tell here. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Um, my personality coming through. So look, when you met her, this is what she looked like. And yeah, exactly. So that could be she's eighteen that, months. <laughs> that literally could be my daughter right now. But like, I think the beauty of our industry and the the things that I've been reflecting on is the spirit of togetherness. Is fast forward to last um, Thanksgiving, um, Justine was able to host our family at the um, uh, Thanksgiving parade, which which BMO was a, a big partner of and then to just sit there with my daughter on the lap and have that full circle moment um you know that's that to me is like what this community is all about so it's it's really extra special to be here and give back to Justine and all the wonderful things you guys are doing today yeah I mean fun fact Dan um Justine mentioned your love for baseball and and your understanding of it um you know when I was talking to a few people they mentioned that you're actually in the baseball hall of fame do you like that's, yeah. I guess the early of your career. How did that happen? Well, um, uh, it's kind of interesting. Um, uh, when the year that, uh, I'll back up actually great Chicago story. Um, we're very much again to what Deirdre was talking about. How do you, how are you a Swiss RV knife? How do you see things differently? We like to say, how do you see color where others see black and white and early days of the company, we did a project for, um, uh, the Chicago White Sox and Jerry Reinsdorf, who Justine knows really well. And White Hen uh, Pantries was a convenience store here in Chicago and 7-Eleven bought them. So 7-Eleven was going to twice as many um, uh, retail outlets in Chicago. So they did an RFP for sponsorship. And at the time, I think the Bulls, Bears, Cubs probably had a greater market share. But the challenge for the White Sox was how could we win this? Let's win with creativity. So we came up with the idea to change the game times from 7.05 to 7.11 <laughs> and sell it as a sponsorship. Um, so instead of selling an outfield wall sign, think about how many times uh, earned media mentions the game time. So morning radio, uh, TV. So it became part of the DNA 
Um, and the Baseball Hall of Fame, uh, this was amazing. It was the year that Cal Ripken and Tony Gwynn went into the Hall of Fame. You take for granted, very similar to the Grammys, you know, when they do the, or the Oscars, they do those awards before the show. Um, they did an award for excellence in uh, business innovation, um, and they recognized uh, myself and our team. So we were in the Baseball Hall of Fame um, uh, for sponsorship, which is which was really cool. And then uh, I got to know the sponsorship um, team from the Hall of Fame, and I am a huge baseball fan, <laughs> and I love, love the history of baseball. And they were looking at, uh, this goes back to how do you give back and how are you a part of a community of people? They were looking at fundraisers. And I, as a kid, this is, this is kind of shows you my passion. I used to love to write letters to baseball players where I would literally go door to door and ask people to mow their lawns um, in exchange for a box of envelopes and a book of stamps. Um, <laughs> so I could send self-addressed stamped envelopes to players. And... <laughs> I would get all these letters back. So I was naturally curious about everything. So they let me write a book uh, called Dugout Wisdom, where I still pinch myself. I got a chance to spend a day with every living Hall of Famer and learn a value about their life. Um, and they overcame obstacles, uh, career-changing advice. And what you take for granted with baseball players, I think is like, they're not born great. They became great. So. I've actually reflected on a lot of those lessons from a Willie Mays or um, um, Nolan Ryan, Duke Snyder, Ryan Sandberg, all these guys that you got to learn from personally that became great in their careers. So I use that all the time and um, I would have done that for nothing. I mean, that was just a pure joy. And I think that's a sign to Justine, you know, kind of the hippie lifestyle and corporate hippie. To me, it's the definition of like, when you're just in the right place and there's a zen-like feeling you know you're doing what's right in the world and um you would do it for nothing um that was like an incredible feeling to be able to do that so uh, yeah thanks for thanks for bringing that up i just want to ask you to just you know how did you how did you start doing these things you're doing because i think for a lot of people at the conference maybe in a specific career path or imagine they have to do certain things and you kind of are the, you know, original corporate hippie in the sense that you were always surprising me with all these things you were doing. How did you start that? What, like you, you went to college and then you just did yeah. what? I, I, I think that would be interesting for people to hear. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, so I grew up in Chicago. Um, I grew up in Schaumburg, Illinois. Um, wasn't the best student. Um, in 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 high school, I actually um, I went to um, uh, community college right out of college or right out of high school. So didn't have the opportunity to go straight into a four year institution. I think that year for me um, um, gave me appreciation for people and you know the work ethic that it takes to succeed. So I was really grateful for that. And then when I got to college. Um, I studied journalism at the University of Missouri. So I'm a natural storyteller, naturally curious person. Um, I was fixated on um, the path to be a sports SID or PR executive. Like I would have loved to have been Scott Reifert at the Chicago White Sox. Like that to me was like, they were like celebrities, right? Your name's on the press release and all that stuff. 
And my junior year of college, I got a, an opportunity to go to Churchill Downs for a scholarship um, to shadow sports journalists at the Derby. And I met a person there, his name was Roger Valdeseri. And he told me, um, if you're gonna go into this business, you should learn the business side. And he encouraged me to, to learn about ticket sales and sponsorship and all these things. So I think what's interesting, Justine, is like I was ingrained as a storyteller, um, you know, as, a, as a, a question asker, is there a better way to do certain things? And then I remember like him helping me get my first job. And I started with, um, so I went and interned with a minor league baseball team. I sold tickets. I was horrible at it, but I learned um, how to do it. My dad's a deacon um, in the church. He used to let me get up on Sunday and do group <laughs> sales in front of the congregation. So uh, thank you for that, right, um, as, a, um, as an example of getting through it. But what, um, what, what Roger taught me early on was when I got that first job, and I, used, I, I wrote for Team Marketing Report, which predated Sports Business Journal. So my job was to cover the business side of sport. So at age 21, I had this incredible network of people that I would just call on revenue generators from teams. And what Roger taught me was, um, you know, be the most prepared person in the room, be the kindest person in the room, and always look to be selfless. And so all those interviews that I would do of directors of marketings that are now CEOs of teams, I would always end those calls on my beat reporting calls. Hey, is there anything I can help you with? Like, what, what keeps you up at night? What gets you up in the morning? And if they're saying, hey, we're really struggling with group sales or a naming rights renewal, hey, did you talk to the Denver Nuggets? I could introduce you to those guys. And I think you're right, Justine, like I consider myself a point guard of positivity um, in all I do. So uh, the basketball that I distribute is relationships and ideas. Um, and then you go through your career and um, Again, I don't network, I just relationship build. I like to get to know people. I like to get them on an emotional level and then no part of it feels like work to me. Um, and then once you kind of get that going and you, you kind of grow up with those folks, um, it gets really fun, uh, which I think is, is part of that. So I didn't plan out to do it. I'm a, going back to those baseball card or baseball letters, I probably write 10 thank you cards a day um, it, it warms my soul, um, to put that out of, especially during this time of just appreciation. And so you just have that, um, ability to do that. And that's, that's been a big part of the foundation of who I am. It comes through. It definitely comes through. I don't even think I knew what you did for years. Cause you just did <laughs> everything. I was like, I think I had to ask somebody, does Dan McGala have a job? <laughs> like a, like a nine to five job he goes to. Because yeah. you're always innovating and doing things like almost like a positivity sports marketing lobbyist. That that would yeah. be what I would describe you as. Yeah, no, and it's it's funny because I, I feel like I had that time of my life that was awesome, um, where I probably was like a little bit of a wanderlust like that, um, that you'd be brought in as the hired gun and you would do these amazing things. Um, and then 13 years ago, which is ironic, um, Right during the recession, um, I met Josh Kreitzler, who is my business partner now at Forefront. I think he had that almost kind of uh, 
mirror skill set um, to what I needed were business operations, structure, growth, and um, how we've grown and scaled um, parts of me, frankly, and then also larger teams and products and services um, has been awesome. But like, those are those things that, you know, as you add to your parachute, right? We probably added to the parachute of the business as well as ourselves. But what we learned, and I think it's a wonderful reflection, um, teams at any part of their life cycle or brands always want to do something that's never been done before. There's teams that are usually at the top of their game or the blood on the floor, as we like to say sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and those are the ones that we focused on that we were really good at helping. Um, and now even kind of translating it to post March 12th, we even feel more um, inspired of being servant leaders to the industry too. It's amazing. Yeah, Dan, I, I want to talk about something that we were discussing the other day, and that's uh, Midge Donahue, right? So, like, I, I know I can see the smile in your face when yeah. I brought up the name. So, so Midge, um, you know, she, she worked for the Chicago Cubs and introduced a new innovation at the time, the season ticket. So it's kind of become this alter ego for Forefront. Um, you know, when I go on the website, part of the company values is be like Midge. And it, it revolves around, you know, that story you talked about with the White Sox and how you helped introduce this idea of moving the game times to 7-Eleven. Um, that's a very non-conventional uh, thought process or, or revenue generation um, model that you introduced. So can, can we talk a little bit about this, like this motto of be like Midge and, you know, how it comes through with, with the work you're doing in Forefront? Yeah, sure. So um, I think everybody should have, similar to what uh, Deirdre was talking about, um, the colors of your parachute. Um, I think everybody should have an alter ego, um, you know, that they aspire to be like, or that, um, that kind of fuels their soul in a lot of things. And for us as a company, um, we spent a lot of time thinking about it. And we landed on a remarkable woman named Midge Donahue. Um, and Midge worked for the Chicago Cubs in the 1920s. She was a secretary. Uh, fun trivia fact, she was the first female executive of any major league sports team uh, in North America. So um, we really embrace women's sport. We work on a lot of it globally. Um, we, we see that as emerging commercial opportunity, and that's a strong passion of ours. And what, what Midge also did was she wasn't afraid to speak up. Um, she wasn't afraid to ask questions and kind of challenge, is there a better way to do things and why? Um, and also she was the secretary, right? So in the org chart, um, you know, in those days, she wasn't like the, um, you know, in the senior leadership team, but she basically listened really well and would come up with solutions. So you're exactly right. Uh, every team should pay homage to Midge. Um, during the depression, in the old days, they would sell single game tickets to all 82 games or 81 games. So there would be a line outside of Wrigley Field. It was a staffing issue. It was kind of a mess. So she approached the owner of the team, Mr. Wrigley, and just said, what about if we, to our best fans, sold an 81 game package and did it at a discount. I've run the numbers. Here's how we can make more money. And she invented the season ticket. And think about that. Um, for all of the folks that are listening to this, you know, your legacy in this moment in time, your owners, your grand managers 
are more open to new innovations than ever before. Um, so she is our alter ego 100%. She also invented the game day promotion. So all those times, Justine, when our kids would get a uh, Hubert um, Chicago Bulls giveaway, we have Midge to thank for coming up with that idea of segmenting audiences for games um, to maximize the yield for those games. So um, she's our alter ego. Um, there's a wonderful podcast that our, uh, one of our great innovators, Katie Foglia did, which we can share with you. Um, she tracked down the nieces of Mitch Donahue to learn her history and what made her tick. And it's fascinating. We did it on International Women's Day this year. Um, and she's our alter ego, um, you know, for all of those things. But the two things that I would share that I think are really important is one, be open-minded to ideas that your entire team has, regardless of title. And then what I would say, what a lot of teams and brands struggle with is what is innovation? Um, and it's a buzzword. And there's that magical moment, right? Where somebody shares an idea where it might seem a little bit foreign and your natural reaction is to emotionally tell somebody what's wrong with their idea or why it won't work. Um, so we've developed an innovation mindset internally that I think Midge would be proud of where it's a four-step process where when I go to Justine with a big idea, she respects me enough that her first thing as a teammate is to say, let me tell you what I love about your idea. The second thing is, here's what I might do to change it, to tweak it a little bit. And then the third idea is, what can we do to make it better? And then is this the best idea that we can do? And I think at least in team culture, they live in um, org chart land, right? Where ticket sales kind of bickers with stadium operations, marketing um, is all about this and sponsorship uh, just wants to sell deals, right? And they're passing through inventory. Uh, we've almost been therapists, um, you know, I think in that regard. I'd love to share a quick story with the uh, Chicago Cubs in particular. During their championship year, um, they were looking through some big renewals and one of them was Vienna beef hot dogs. Um, and the service person said, we want to make sure that we renew Vienna. And I'm a little worried because they keep coming back with these great activation ideas. And I'm like, well, what is it? And she said, well, they want to give all the hot dog vendors the day off and position them as the unsung hero of the team. Um, and I said, well, what did you do with it? And she's like, I told him we can't do it because stadium operations would kill it. And we just can't do it. Well, did you share it with anyone? No, what's kind of what's the point, right? And so what she basically said is let's recreate that. Okay, so I love that idea. We're gonna make the hot dog vendor the hero. Here's what I would change. Instead of giving them all the day off, what about if we gave one person the day off? And my idea to make it better is let's replace that person with a celebrity. Let's have a celebrity come in and be a celebrity hot dog vendor. So it's, that's how that process works. And 11 days later, we had Stephen Colbert at Wrigley Field dressed as Donnie Franks. Um, and we got Vienna Beef nine minutes of primetime airtime that, that their CEO, Tim O'Brien, says was the greatest thing they've ever done in their 100 years of the company. It didn't cost anything. And it just required that magical moment when we pitched that 7-Eleven idea to the White Sox, 
Jerry Reinstorf didn't say, I don't know if I can get that done with the broadcasters or all of that. Great idea. Let's do it. Right. Like, and here's what we need to do. We need to get buy-in from other people. And I think sometimes people miss that. And I would tell you during the 60 day time period that we've been in, we are evolving right now from department mindsets to organizational mindsets where you need to work a little bit more closely where we're seeing uh, sponsored ticket offers, sponsored charity initiatives that requires multiple departments. And I think that innovation mindset, again, tell your teammate what you love about the idea. Here's what I might tweak it. Here's what I would do to make it a little bit better. And is this the best idea? That 100% would accelerate any innovation right now. You know what I love most about what you're saying, other than it's like, makes you feel good to just listen to you say it, is the one thing that strikes me, and when you mentioned Jerry's name and when I think about you and others that make things happen is often what happens in our industry is people get bogged down in the tactical minutia. Yep. And not in the, yeah, we can make it happen. I remember one time my team teasing me and saying, I know you're going to say, what do you mean we can't find camels to walk down Michigan Avenue and dress up in costumes? There has to be a camel somewhere around here. Yeah. And like it became sort of a joke. And I was like, but yeah, because there's always a camel somewhere around yep. here, right? There's always a dancing gorilla somewhere yep. around here. So the idea of believing in the possibility, and I think that Jerry is somebody that has always believed in the possibility. So he leaves that sort of details, like, you know, in, in meditation, it's often referred to as like, let's just leave all those details to the universe to figure out. Yep. And in business, you'd never say that, right? Because you want to hammer it all out. But the greatest ideas like the one you just described come from the passion of wanting to give the hot dog vendor love. Yeah. Right? Like it was, that yeah. story is how to love a hot dog vendor. Yeah. And what did it turn into? The greatest thing that they ever did. Yeah. And it, by the way, and also too, and here, here's building on that. Um, and we do these innovation workshops with teams. We've been doing some of them virtually and it's just fun of unleashing the power that's within you and within your team that's right under your nose. But Justine, the reality with that is um, a lot of those best ideas didn't cost anything. Um, Jerry would tell you, oh, great. I don't have to spend CapEx dollars to build an outfield wall sign. I just got to change my game times. And he sold more beer in that extra six minutes, right? <laughs> um, and then this Vienna deal didn't cost anything. And I would also tell you where I've been spending a lot of time and where I've been obsessed uh, over the last 60 days in our team is this concept of frugal innovation. Mm -hmm. um, how do you do more with less? And it's right here and it's right here. Um, the heart and the passion to do something that's never been done before. Um, one of our other alter egos that we have is a, um, a guy by the name of Roger Bannister, um, who was the first person to ever run a mile under four minutes. And we'll say that to a lot of teams, um, you know, in the discipline sprint of opening a building, doing a new brand campaign, uh, who wants to be the Rogers, Roger Bannister of the team? Who wants to do something that they've never been done before? Here's what it takes. And we'll literally put the picture of Roger Bannister on their desk as a daily reminder of crossing that finish line. And we just love it. Um, and I think 
for me, um, I didn't really set out frugal innovation as something to think about. But in this moment in time, most of those biggest ideas are not solved with incremental spend. They're solved with an innovative process and making sure that you think it through, you got the right stakeholders, um, and you're not confusing innovation with execution. Nobody's like, great, who's going to get a celebrity? Well, let's figure out if it's the best idea, yeah. and then let's figure it out. Or you know how to get a camel. If we decide we want to get a camel, we're going to get a camel. We'll find a camel. By the way, I feel like I'm the kind of person that gets that phone call all the time of being like, uh, Dan, like, I figure you're the kind of guy that can get us a camel. Like, exactly. um, right. how do we do that? I've gotten phone calls for Elvis impersonators, Darth Vader's, um, different things. And it's like, it's amazing what you can come through when you're there to help. My, uh, there was one a couple years ago, the Frozen Four was at the United Center, the hockey tournament. Yeah. And I think there was an ice storm and they needed a band for Harvard. So I got a high school band to dress up in Harvard um, costumes um, to be the Harvard band from some high school in Chicago to do that. You just find a way, right? You're resourceful and you will things to happen. And it's it's awesome. Yeah. And I think, you know, that that has always been my, I think the reason you and I kind of immediately bonded is because we both believe in the power of the impossible. Mm-hmm. Like what everybody else has always told me, well, that's never going to happen. I mean, and I'll I'll tell you this one thing, like we wanted to trend at the Magnificent Mile Lights Festival socially without spending any money, an organic thing. And everybody said, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I was like, why not? Like, what we do, we can do that now. Of course, you the stars have to align because nothing else exciting needs to happen in that that seven minute time frame that you're wanting all this to happen. But we did, right? We did end up trending. And it wasn't the trending that gave me that moment of joy, it was the looks on everybody's face that they did it. Yep. And to me, what you have always brought to bear is you believe it is possible and you've already envisioned it and then you allow it to start happening. And that's that to me is the magic of Dan Magela. Yeah, no, thank you. And and you're, you're right of the process of... Um, getting it right, I would tell you where I've evolved. Um, so so that White Sox idea, right? Um, I, I literally, the, the deeper context of that, um, I went to Ohio University. I was, I was going back and forth to finish my graduate degree. We went out on Monday night um, and I had a little bit of a hangover. Uh, we watched Monday Night Football. I had my alarm set at 7.30. I was trying to figure out this business problem I woke up 19 minutes early that day. And if you wake up with a little bit of a hangover and you're staring at the alarm clock, you're praying for that extra 19 minutes of sleep. And to your point of being a corporate hippie, the universe spoke to me and I listened. I did not separate the desire action. I picked up the phone and called the White Sox at 7-Eleven and said, I've got it. This is what we're going to do. And and then as I went through, I felt like the Millie Vanilli of sponsorship. Like, am I going to be a one-hit wonder? Um, you know, Millie Vanilli, they were imposters. They didn't even exactly. exactly. Well, you, you, but how do you recreate that? And then, you know, what was interesting was, um, you know, to the, to the experiences from Dugout Wisdom, the, the baseball book, um, it took me a little while to figure out um, 
I felt like my, I was going to be this like savant idea person to be in the room and just whip off this idea. And this is what it is. And then you realize um, it's being the facilitator of ideas and getting this collaborative mindset. That's the real power. And funny story. I'll, I'll, um, um, the last stop of the book tour was in San Francisco. And I found myself at, with Willie Mays, uh, who played for the San Francisco Giants, like just an institution of a guy, right? Like he's like a cartoon figure to me. Um, so I'm sitting at his house after this appearance and I asked him how he got the nickname, the Say Hey Kid. Uh, I just wanted to know. So, and he said, Dan, I'm, I'm from a town of 20 people. When I first went to New York, I'm in the locker room. And I literally like, could not remember anyone's name. So I would just be like, instead of saying Justine, I would be like, hey, say hey, come here, say hey. Like, and just, they started calling me the say hey kid. And and I took a swig of my beer. We were having um, Miller High Life sponsored the book tour. So we had a couple uh, beer champagnes that we were celebrating. And he looks at me, he goes, what's your nickname? What is your brand? And I said to him at the time, which is an important question, I think, to what Deirdre talked about. If you had a brand for yourself, what would it be? And during that time, I couldn't believe I was getting to know all these baseball players. And I used to text my dad and say, live in the dream. Like, live in the dream today, went fishing with Wade Boggs or whoever. Like, I couldn't believe these things were happening to me. And I took a swig of my beer and I said, I, I guess it'd be living the dream. Willie Mays looked at me and goes, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and, and he said, let me tell you, um, that's a real selfish way to be. It's not about living the dream. It's about fulfilling the dream. And then once you've fulfilled it, you share the dream. So in that moment, it really crystallized for me. Don't be the incub Don't be the person that creates the idea be the person that ignites it, share the dream with as many of your teammates internally and externally as possible, and then let them, um, you know, really in the, the universe kind of make that happen. So I always like to say with our team at Forefront, um, we have an incredible um, young woman on our team, Katie LaCroix. She just got named front office sports, like top 25 under 25. We've got so many rising stars on our team I love almost being this like Yoda-like person that makes amazing things happen. And then almost like the coach now to Roger Bannister, seeing them run a four minute mile um, mm. is where it is. So I think for the leaders on the call, how are you sharing the dream, the experiences that you've had during your career, especially during this time? So that kind of baton is passed, right? Um, to be able to do that. And that's, um, those are, those are great lessons. So amazingly enough, once I figured that out, I had a great back to back to back of like some amazing ideas where you earn, you learn to be more inclusive, but you learn to inspire people uh, to kind of warm the heart a little bit before you presented the idea where they were in a place that they were open to the camel or the game change or other things. Cause people are naturally afraid to do something they've never been done before. But once you taste it, it's like a great fine wine. Like you just want more. Maybe we maybe we turn it into like Namaste Dan dance gorilla dance. <laughs> I, I gotta understand yeah. this dancing gorilla um, comment here. So is is there a background story to that, Justine? Well, 
maybe a, maybe slightly, but I mean, it creates <laughs> a, it creates an image in your mind, right? Like, and I don't yeah. know, but the very first mascot, and Dan probably knows the story better than me in the NBA, was because there was this gorilla that delivered a telegram. I want to say in Phoenix or yep. something. That's right. And that started this thing of people loved this gorilla and it was more mascots, right? Mm -hmm. And so when somebody told me that, I actually, you know what? I think it was Colangelo. I sat beside him ironically just on a flight and he told me this story. And I was like, really, you're kidding me, like years ago. And I said, well, there's always a dancing gorilla somewhere because to me it was representative of, Hmm. there was always this unexpected idea that if they didn't pay attention to that singing telegram delivering gorilla, then you, you'd never have mascots in the NBA. So mm-hmm. to me, the magic happens when you're willing to find the dancing gorilla. So that's just my own expression. No, I love and, it. I'm, I'm definitely, I'm going to be using that uh, moving forward too. That's good. I love that. <laughs> that's everyone, awesome. Everyone needs a dancing gorilla, right? And then you can turn it into a verb, dance, gorilla, dance, right? So that's kind of like, that's sort of like how I, I have always looked at everything. And I think Dan talked about being curious, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. When, when you're creative and innovative, you're curious. And I, you have never lost your childlike sense of curiosity. Neither have I, and I don't plan to. Yeah. People have tried to beat it out of me in corporate settings or tell me that, you know, that's not going to work. I go back to my, yeah, but you know what? I've been told all kinds of things aren't going to happen and they do. And I've been told all kinds of things are going to happen and they don't. So therefore my imagination ought to lead me because it's the one thing that's with me all the time. Yeah, no. And I, and I, going back to like early career experiences, building on that, Justine, and I think like, you know, it's not the seat that you um, sit in when you're in the room or the decision-making, it's the perspectives that you bring. And um, so in my career, um, I, um, I left Team Marketing Report um, and it's a, I'll try to abbreviate it, but um, I started writing about internet strategies for sports teams at a time. I've got some really funny stories of like commissioners of major sports leagues asking me if it's a good idea to put their email address on a business card. Um, you know, it's the website was, it was a video game machine. Right. So, um, uh, I was fortunate. They let me write a book on internet strategies for sports teams early on. And I ended up taking a job with the Chicago bears. Um, and the bears did not have a website yet. So growing up in Chicago to build chicagobears.com was just like pinching myself was incredible. And the fascinating thing for me is I found myself in the executive board meeting with the bears. And I'm a journalism major um, who probably went into journalism because I didn't have to take math classes um, (laughs) and just a good storyteller. And I'd be in these meetings with stadium finance and bonds and all of these things. And I would try to research things and just almost prepare almost prepare my questions so I wouldn't sound like an idiot and then Ted Phillips who's the CEO of the Bears who has been a great mentor um, of mine I remember being very vulnerable to him and just saying I feel really stupid in this meeting and he said don't try to be someone else Um, you are, it's almost like what Justine said of like a childlike quality. He almost kind of talked like Dr. Seuss in a sense of you're the U.S. you of them all. You're the journalist. You're the one that asks questions. 
be the first to listen and the last to speak and ask questions um, and be curious. So I started really obsessing with the why. Why are we doing this? How could we do it better? We were inventing processes. And I learned to be the most prepared person in the room, the nicest person in the room and the most curious. Um, and I think there's always room for somebody like that in the room, um, you know, versus just the somebody that's, here's the latest budget update, here's the snapshot, um, et cetera. So I think that's where I learned to not just earn the right to be in the room, but add value. So anybody should look for their own unique you perspective of how you can add value um, to any room that you enter in a unique way. Mm -hmm. And and Dan, I want to touch upon two two stories before uh, before we finish this off because I think they're really interesting stories. And and when I think about you know the conversation we just had around Midge Donahue and season tickets or dancing gorillas and mascots, you know it, it comes back to don't settle for things the way it's always been. Focus on uh, leading with curiosity, with a growth mindset, and and good things will come from it. Um, you know, I, I'm really curious about two stories. So one of them was uh, the tailor-made example where, you know, the San, Di San Diego Padres promoted a new driver or club um, using the, the, like an 80-foot replica near the foul pole. So I want to touch upon that example yep. that you helped with and then um, minor league baseball's home run derby on an yep. aircraft carrier. So do you want to start yep. with the San Diego Padres example? And, and yeah, kind of sure. And I'll, I'll be... Uh, hopefully a good teammate and be be vulnerable and um, emotionally honest as well. Um, so with the Padres, they wanted to do very disruptive, big ideas similar to um, uh, the 7-Eleven idea. So I was obsessed with that. And there was an RFP that was actually issued by Stanley Tools. And um, they were going to spend X amount of dollars with um, a Major League Baseball team and I had this vision, right? The universe spoke to me. I reflected on it. I went through my Millie Vanilli process uh, to, to write a hit song. I had this vision to turn the foul pole into a, a tape measure so we could vertically measure home runs by height. You guys are nodding your head. Great idea, right? Um, <laughs> my mom thought it was a great idea. My now wife um, um, and everybody, right? So we prepare for this amazing pitch. Uh, Dick Enberg was our play-by-play -play guy at the time, so got him to record this amazing, you know, video, go to do the pitch, um, and I show up, and in the room is the head marketing guy, and he's like, Dan, we're so excited that you're here. We brought our larger brand team. We've got John, who's the brand manager for our big ticket items, things like um, power tools, screwdrivers, Stacy, who... Our growth markets are, um, you know, at-home DIY stuff or whatever. And then he goes down on the line and he goes, and here's, here's uh, Jill who oversees our lost leader things that don't make a lot of money, things like rulers and tape measures. Go. And I just realized I was, like, screwed. I, it was like the kamikaze mission. Uh, so I presented it. And he walked me out to the car. And basically it was like, do you validate parking? Um, and... How fast could I get out of here? I had no chance. I innovated internally. I forgot to think about the marketplace. I didn't research the company. And uh, Tom Garfinkel, who's the CEO of the team, who's now the CEO of the Miami Dolphins, I had a long heart to heart with him. 
uh, kind of a tough locker room conversation of um, learning and growing from that. Um, and then I learned the value of failing forward. What do you do with that? You feel sorry for yourself and, uh, it, and reflect on it. So I started resonating. What could I do with that inventory? And then San Diego has all these golf club companies. And I realized that TaylorMade had a new product line coming out, um, which was this R11 driver. If any golfers there would know it, it's the Whitehead driver. So it was like a high-end product for the everyday golfer. So I went and toured the factory. I asked questions. Um, I really thought like a TaylorMade executive. And that's what I failed to do with, um, uh, with Stanley. And I went and did, eventually did the pitch. And they bought it on site. Mark King, uh, who's now the CEO of Taco Bell, was the CEO of TaylorMade at the time. He bought it. And we um, got to work on it. And the amazing thing here, and I would tell you how your personal and professional lives, my, my now wife was my fiance at the time. Um, I won, I felt really sorry for myself. I was like, that was a, a challenge, right? Like of kind of failing. And I shared with her that I had this idea for TaylorMade, but I was, sh I was scared to present it. And she kind of gave me a pep talk and two, two things happened for me with your personal and professional life. Number one, I was like a bat out of hell, like Roger Bannister sprinting to get that done. I was gonna will that to happen. And two, I realized in the moment, that was the moment that I realized I wanted to marry her um, because she was gonna make me the best version of myself and support me as my whole self. Cause she, she kind of challenged me in a way that not a lot of people would. So, um, you know, I think have that soulmate on your side too is really important. Um, to be able to do that, but that's how we got that done. The tactical lesson that I would share, the tailor-made story, it was not about the impressions that were earned uh, on media broadcasts. It was an earned media strategy for when we unveiled it uh, for a product launch of kind of thinking differently about it. We achieved $380 million worth of global earned media from that announcement in one week. So all of the stuff that we go through of the metrics of measuring signs and all of that stuff for the product launch, it just completely disrupted it. So when you think about things differently, the earned media strategy of a new partnership or a new inventory to me was just as important as the impressions um, uh, that, that we garnered off of that. So that's a personal and professional and tactical lesson there. And I'm still a horrible golfer. <laughs> Not as bad as me. We should golf together because yeah, I'm exactly. Really so we we have a lot of fun. I don't even like it. I just like being outside. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I, I learned early on that I'm not a golfer. I'm someone who owns golf clubs, so uh, <laughs> and I'm okay with that. Um, and then and then the um, the minor league baseball example. Um, you know, that's a really interesting one. Of like, how do you do something differently to get to the result that you need? So. Um, Mike Vec, who um, uh, owns the Charleston River Dogs, they're a New York Yankees affiliate. Um, Bill Murray's a part of their ownership group. They're a wonderfully talented, great crew. Um, what happened there was they were about 90 days out um, from hosting an all-star game and they needed sponsorship. They needed to sell tickets. They needed to think about it a little bit differently. And the reality I think in that moment was um, how do they create national awareness for it? So um, 
we actually executed that innovation strategy. We researched how do we tell the story a little bit differently. Um, and what we learned about Charleston was one thing. Uh, Charleston is the city that all our servicemen and women depart from to go to Iraq. Um, so it's a crazy military town. Um, and we thought that was a unique story. And then we found that this aircraft carrier is there. So what we believed was, how do we tell a military activation story that happens to have a baseball game versus the other way around? So we were selling American values uh, to be able to do it. So we got permission to move the home run derby um, to the aircraft carrier, something that's never been done before. We love that feeling of, um, uh, uh, we would describe that as stand for something, take a risk, make yourself uncomfortable, own a moment in time as our process that we go through. So uh, the stand for something would be military uh, appreciation event that happens to have a baseball game, take a risk, we're gonna move it to the aircraft carrier, make yourself uncomfortable, Pat O'Connor, who's the CEO of Minor League Baseball. Whoa, Dan, what do you want to do? Um, okay, Pat, that's the good sign. We're doing something that's never been done before. Your reaction means you're in. Own a moment in time is we're going to try to own this day. Um, and what we did was we researched brands that have a military appreciation campaign. And we found Miller uh, Brewing Company in Chicago had a, a promotion called Give a Veteran a Piece of the High Life for every can of beer that was sold, they would give 10 cents to a veteran. So we went under that lens of it, um, pitched seven innings of an idea because we've learned that facilitation and collaboration is important. Hey, Miller team, we think we're onto something. Here's seven innings of an idea. What would you do to make it better, right? Um, so we gave them ownership of it um, to be able to do it. And we were in this disciplined sprint, which is Roger Bannister, right? We're hustling to pull this off in like 60 days. So they ended up buying it. Um, and Justine, you would be proud. Um, social media activation, it was the number one trending topic in the US that day on social. Um, we were fortunate that Bill Murray showed up and hit some balls into the ocean with, uh, with Wendell, remember the Miller High Life guy? Um, uh, that was a trip, that was a long night uh, to hit the town that night, but um, uh, it was awesome. And you know what, we did a lot for charity the military members that came. And I think to me, Justine, you know, that feeling that you said, it was looking around and seeing our team, seeing the River Dogs team, just the awe. And there's an energy change when you do something that's never been done before. And for the brand, it felt like not a spend, but an investment, um, you know, that um, they did it. Uh, the last thing that I'll say on that, when we did the recap, we have a methodology. We do a lot of valuation work on partnerships and we not only measure the ROI for return on investment, but something we call a double bottom line where we have another ROI called return on inspiration. Who did we inspire? Who did your brand inspire? So there's a methodology to balancing that and everybody left feeling great. The world felt great about it. Um, and then that measurable impact of making that brand feel better in that day is just awesome. So the beer tasted really good at the after party that day. Hey, Dan, what I love about that story is that, you know, sometimes as brand marketers and properties where we get lost in um, metrics, right? So I, I feel the pressure sometimes, and I'm sure a lot of people relate to it, that you've got to hit certain engagement rates, you've got to hit certain impressions, 
um, but your your approach to things is is very built around innovation and creativity. And I, I love that example of uh, you know return on uh, return on inspiration, right? Yep. So like yeah, and and I would tell the brands out there what we're finding in this moment in time is um, uh, there's different people that brands need to inspire through their partnerships. Mm -hmm. It's their employees. It's their employees' families. Um, there's different um, target audiences right now. So I think it's a wonderful time for storytelling um, for those partnerships. The questions that we love to ask are, if you own the brand and this property, what would you do if money wasn't an issue? And start with that. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of times, most of these activations don't cost anything um, once you get to it. But um, yeah, don't let... The metrics you can find out, you can create a dotted line to the revenue result. In most of those cases, um, there is significant revenue growth. I mean, TaylorMade went from like 12% market share to over 40 um, in that period. So you keep the CFO happy, right? Um, uh, but I think kind of freeing yourself a little bit to think and um, be that point guard of innovation and figure out how to do it. It's, um, those are tried and true tactics. Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, can you leave us with one piece of advice right now? So, you know, obviously this could be a great time for brands to start thinking more innovatively um, as they as they move towards um, challenges they face. So, you know, for any young professionals out there, whether they be in the property world or the brand world, what's one piece of advice you'd give them in navigating this situation? Yeah, I'm going to give two things um, and I'll, I'll try to be brief um, is number one, in a normal world, you want to have an alter ego. I would say during this period in time, have a COVID alter ego of somebody that you can look to that pivoted in a unique way. For me, it's my grandfather, Emil Megala, who was a foreman who worked for International Harvester during World War II. And he used to make garbage trucks on an assembly line. And he was a part of a team that transitioned to make tanks um, uh, in that moment in time. So how do you use your skill set to pivot in a different way, um, and who do you admire that you want to wake up thinking about? The second thing is, um, I've got a great career coach, um, a guy by the name of Stedman Graham, um, who has worked with me for a long time. And what Stedman taught me in a normal world is, we operate with fixed mindsets. We have our Monday morning meeting, um, we get our coffee, we put our pants on the same way, um, and we're kind of zombies in our own life. And I've embraced a growth mindset in a normal world, but now more than ever for any of the young people, executives, leaders, um, switch up your routine. Uh, you don't have the burden of your fixed mindset anymore in your fixed life. So embrace a growth mindset for yourself personally. How do you want to grow? How do you want to grow your team? And then what is one radical idea that you want to do for your business that embraces a growth mindset and that's probably the biggest thing. It all starts personally. It starts here in your heart and in your head um, to be able to do that. I would find that kind of COVID alter ego. And I would let go of the fixed mindset of like, we'd normally be in our budget meeting at this time. You know what? You're not. So what could you do to embrace a growth mindset that allows you to really make kind of that inner midge to come up with that big idea like the season ticket uh, during what we all know is a tough time? All right. That's, that's the perfect way to end it, Dan. Th thank you so much for your time. This was an awesome conversation. So excited to have you. Great. 
Yeah, big, big virtual hug to you all. <laughs> Keep doing what you guys are doing. Uh, leading with heart and mind and uh, love to you both and your families and, uh, and everybody out there in virtual land. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Okay, bye. All right, take care. Be safe. Bye. All right, everyone, we're going to jump on the other conference line. Um, that was a wicked conversation. I, I got a lot out of it. Um, so I will see you in just a minute for Andrea Carter from the Atlanta Hawks. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Make sure to follow us at Sponsor Talk on Twitter and at the Sponsorship Space on LinkedIn and join our community if you're interested in learning more. Thanks and have a great day.